Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, today we are talking about what makes marriage work. You know, one of the first things to go in a marriage is politeness. You know, as laughter and validation go away, criticism and pain replace it. And your attempts to get communication back on track seem to be useless and and partners become lost in hostile negative thoughts and feelings. Yet, you know, there's a surprise in all that. There are couples whose fights are as deafening as thunderbolts, yet who have uh, long-lasting happy relationships. And I've seen that in sessions time after time. You know, uh, uh, all kinds of couples are, have to be take the time to really nurture what makes a marriage work. And I will tell you this, for women, what makes a marriage work for them and how they test whether or not this is a d- decent relationship, whether or not they can trust the man, the biggest thing that a woman looks for from 30,000 feet up, and this is all over the world, is what they look for is, am I cherished? And if a woman does not feel cherished, if she doesn't feel cherished, and cherished is, I can't be the man I am without her. I don't even know why she's with me. You know, I'm so lucky to have her. She's my best friend. Is that way when I'm with her? Is that way when I'm not with her? I talk about her. Uh, uh, I put her above me at all times. And that is what a woman needs to feel safe. And that's because the woman takes the man in. They, they, they take all the vulnerabilities. They wreck their body when they have children. Then they have to put it all back together and wonder if you're still attracted to it. I mean, there's all kinds of deep insecurities that women have to go through. And if a man does not cherish his wife or partner, if whatever the relationship is, uh, the bottom line is she's going to nag you until the end of your life uh, for not cherishing her if she doesn't divorce you. And so you really have to think if you're going to get married, the vow is love, honor, and cherish. Cherish is, is literally, seriously, the big degree for if a man wants to have a successful marriage, if they want to have a successful life in the marriage, if they want to be healthy, they need to cherish their wife. And if you're not cherishing her, she's going to wonder who or what you are cherishing, and she's going to develop, and that might be your job, and she'll develop a great resentment for you because you've left her blind and always wondering if she's loved. And so women have a tendency to take that extremely seriously. And if you don't get that as a man, you're not going to have a peaceful relationship. Now, what do men need? Well, men, men need to feel respect. They feel need to feel like they have a voice, like they're heard. Doesn't mean you agree with them. And by the way, that's part to cherish, guys. So you can't get away with not doing that. But here's the deal. Men tend to take their thoughts seriously, and they want to be thought of as intelligent and thoughtful. And so it's important for them to feel like they have a voice in their home. If they don't feel heard, if they don't feel like the wife listens to them, they develop a deep and lasting resentment. They start to form 
cherishing of other things and other people and other places and other activities because they're not getting that from the wife. They're not getting respect. And so when a man feels respected, he feels uh, emasculated. That means like a man. And if he doesn't uh, feel heard and doesn't feel respected, then what he does is he feels demasculated, which affects his sex drive, which affects his image of himself. And that in itself carves itself into a very resentful, nasty relationship, often turning people into being, especially guys, uh, not wanting to show their emotions. So they'll be passive aggressive. They'll hold it in, they'll hold it in, they'll hold it in. Then they blow and then they look like the crazy one, validating the wife, making her think, ha he is crazier than me. And then uh, basically uh, she stops listening to him even more. So it exacerbates the problem for him and really creates a lot of issues. You know, it may be that uh, all kinds of couples could glean a lot from each other's knowledge. If you have respect for your partner, that means you don't want to change them. And when people marry to change their partner, what they're doing is not accepting them for who they are. And when you can't accept the person that you've married, You are telling them that basically they have to be a fake person for you to find them acceptable. And for us to do that and try to force someone to change, that's not our job. Our job is to adapt to them. And if some of their behaviors is unacceptable to you, then you want to ask them in a very simple, respectful way, we need to find a compromise. This has got to change. I can't live this way. It's not going to work. And uh, I'm beginning to resent you. I'm beginning to feel that uh, you don't respect me. These are things that we have to say, but we have to say it not in a crazy way, but we've got to be calm. And we've got to also use the magic word preference. I prefer, you know, I'd prefer you didn't talk to me like that. I'd prefer that you did the dishes with me. I prefer that you cooked more often. I prefer that you would help raise the kids. I'd prefer that we had more sex. You know, prefer is a beautiful word because it's not got any emotional TNT dynamite behind it. And so it's very important for people to think in those terms. There's also in our communication, a balance between negativity and positivity and it really is a key dynamic in what amounts to uh, the, 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 a peaceful, loving marriage. There seems to be a, some kind of a, a thermostat-like thing in, in a healthy marriages that regulates the balance. For example, when partners get uh, contemptuous and they correct it with lots of positivity, not necessarily right away, but sometime soon, oftentimes you're going to get better results. You know, just like with your kids – What's really important to understand is when you have children, when you have children, they are going to misbehave and they're going to do bad things. But the thing about it is you as a parent, if you're able to compliment them and notice the good things they do, they are going to want to please you. And so it's important to build their self-esteem just like we do with our children 
it's the same thing we need to do with our partner is to build a healthy marriage is create positivity. You know, thank you for doing this. This was awesome. This was so great. Thank you for helping. Thank you for uh, you did such a good job at this. You know, we hear those things because people love to dwell on the negativity. It's so easy to find our human flaws, especially when you're married. But when you're looking for the good, that means you, I've got your back. And that's a very important message of trust in a marriage. And by the way, trust. You know, I've mentioned this on several episodes, but trust is deeper than love. You can love someone and not trust them. But when you trust someone, the love grows. And so when you're in a relationship to make it work, every conflict you're ever going to have in that relationship is a trust issue. And so what's important to really understand is if you're going to have trust issues within your marriage, you're going to have lots of conflicts. That's why it's important just to be honest with each other and relieve every single trust issue there might ever be in that relationship. You need to get rid of them. Very important to do that. And it's that's why it's so important to resolve conflict. And people in marriage who resolve conflict have confidence in their marriage. People that have the same arguments over 20 years, that means they're so stubborn and so egotistical that they refuse to listen to each other and they are so resentful of their partner and they're miserable and they're probably married because they feel like they have to be rather than enjoying and having a great relationship. So trust is the binder. It's the binder. If you attack trust, you basically take the binder off the book and throw the pages into the street. And that's just pretty much how it goes, guys. And you spend your whole life scrambling to try to create a story that you could have had had you cooperatively worked together on trust and made a life and made lots of lovely, incredible memories together. You know, what really separates contended couples from those in deep marital misery is a healthy balance between their positive and their negative feelings and their actions towards each other. Volatile couples stick together by balancing their frequent arguments with a lot of love and passion. So, do you know people like that? Yeah. Is it unhealthy? No, not necessarily. Um, It just may be the way they found our way of, of uh, working together. It doesn't mean that they don't need to improve their communication. But by balance, I, I don't mean, you know, an, an equilibrium. Uh, what, what I'm really talking about, that, that there's very specific a ratio that people need to follow. I'm, how much negativity are we going to dwell on? How much conflict are we going to have? Is home going to be home or is home going to be a battleground? And a lot of people choose battleground. And a lot of people will make their partner their worst enemy. And so it's sad. But what you have to do to make a marriage work is to work on your friendship and your respect for each other. That friendship needs to grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's important to make memories. And it's important to support each other. When we are emotionally down, our home is an emotional place that should be building us up. 
and we should be holding each other up. And in a good, healthy marriage, what makes it work is when one's down, the other one needs to hold the water on the upside to help bring that person backed up to something more healthy. They need to see their partner be healthy. They need to see what it's like to be healthy so they can find their way back to being healthy. You don't go to the problem. Like if someone's depressed, you don't sit there and hammer on them for being, why don't you get out of bed? Why don't you, blah, blah, blah. you know, you say, look, I know things are tough. I'm going to continue living a healthy life. I'm going to continue routines. And yes, I'm probably having to overcompensate for you not helping. But, and you don't have to say this, but do this. Be the healthy one. Do the routine. Stay healthy and give them an example and give them positives when they make changes. Then, you know, there's five times as much positive is needed because we hear negative things very much and they stay with us forever. And many people in marriage don't understand how to let things go and how to forgive. And it's simple to understand forgiveness. And, and a lot of people don't get this. They go to church for 50 years and they never really understand how to forgive. They hold on to things and, and they hold on to resentments and they, they uh, sabotage relationships. They sabotage marriage because they cannot forgive. Here is how to understand how to forgive. Very simple. Okay. What was your intention? How did you decide to do this thing? Instead of hammering on the negative thing that we perceive a person has done, instead of doing that, understand what drove them to do that. How did they decide to do that bad thing? And if you focus on the how they thought about doing this, what made them want to do this, if we get the intention we get the grounds for forgiveness because most of the time people are not badly intended. They have bad outcomes, but they're not badly intended. And so what's important to understand forgiveness is you have to razor focus using the words what or how on the intention. And that means that we can have a safe conflict because we're looking for thoughts and we're probably understanding that we weren't trying to hurt anybody. Some people do, but that, you know, that's the deal, guys. If you want to forgive, that's how to do it. Intentions, intentions, intentions. What or how did you decide? Not why, because if you ask a why question, that means you already have an answer in your mind and you are setting them up because now they're feeling like they're being interrogated rather than understood. You know, if you're in the middle of a, a troubled marriage, it can seem that your 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 issue is nearly impossible and it begins to feel hopeless. But in fact, unhappy marriages do resemble each other in one uh, main way. They follow the same specific downward spiral be coming to, uh, before coming to an end. So when you're able to predict what emotions and reactions lead a couple into trouble is crucial to improving a marriage's chances. So you pinpoint how marriages destabilize. You know, people will be able to find their way back to happiness if they felt their marital adventure uh, is continuing. You know, the first thing is you have to resolve arguments, and that means you have to resolve trust issues, which means you as a person have to be willing to sometimes compromise. And there's a payoff for compromise. It's called peace, and peace can be a very important thing 
compared to something that you feel you just have to do. You know, a lot of people create more problems in their life than they need. You know, the, the, the first issue is people uh, start to tumble. And if they don't resolve and if they don't hear each other and that if they don't take their pride and down a notch to be humble – because marriage is the humblest place in the world. We see the best and the worst in each other. We see all of our human. We see, we see, smell, hear. We have to do all this stuff with each other. And, and it's not always pretty. But the deal is we have to look to the best in each other and be grateful for each other. Grateful is a magnetic, hugely magnetic uh, quality in a human being. When you are grateful, what you're basically doing is you're letting people know that there are positive qualities in their life. And when you let people know about their positive qualities, they hear them so little and they don't even believe themselves when they say it sometimes about themselves. But the bottom line is that validates their existence. And when you are a grateful person and if you're grateful in a marriage, you're going to make that thing work. Because that's a deep needed quality in any human being. Very important. You know, it's also, um, you know, there may not, a few couples can completely avoid criticizing each other now and then. But, you know, oftentimes it takes up a long-term residence in relatively healthy marriages. And, And some people say, take great pride in saying, we never argue. Well, you need to argue. That's important. It's, it's an important quality. You have to compromise. You don't just tolerate each other. You don't just sit around just trying to make peace. You're, that means you're not very interesting people, that you don't have your own opinions, that you don't have your own views with each other, or that you're scared to communicate it. And I got to tell you, communication is the big deal because in how you do communication in marriage is going to dictate whether that thing's going to stay, that marriage is going to stay or go. If you don't communicate, it's going to bite you in the butt. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about more about how to make marriage work. Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. 
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about how to make a marriage work. Well, here's a big, big, big ingredient. Responsibility. A lot of people are afraid to take responsibility for the things they say, the things they do, how they're perceived. It's so important to understand that if you're going to be married, you are responsible, though you may not believe it, you are actually responsible for how people perceive you. And you need to take responsibility for that, even if you don't agree how you're perceived. You know, if your spouse is going to say, I think you're the biggest jerk I ever met, I can't believe I married you, whatever, then what the person that's receiving that needs to say is, what makes you say that? How how did you decide this to to say that? What's driving this? I'm sorry you perceive me that way. Okay, you see, a lot of people get defensive when they hear things they don't like from their partner. Well, sometimes, actually most of the time, the reason we're receiving that kind of a harsh judgment and communication is because our partner feels like they have to do that to get your attention because you're a terrible listener. And that's the bottom line. If you're going to be in a marriage, you need to listen to your partner. And that means you validate them. That doesn't mean you agree. What it does mean is you validate them. I get it. I understand. I hear what you're saying. You know, so what you're telling me is this, 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 this. That's the phrases that you need to use in responding to your partner so that they feel heard. And that is the key to marital communication is to be fully willing to accept the perception of our partner and to take accountability for it, even if we feel that's not what we were supposed to do or not, not or, or it was over-perceived in a negative way. You know, the bottom line is we have to be willing to hear anything and everything from our partner. And if we're hearing a lot of harshness, what both people are probably saying to each other is, you're not listening. You're not listening. And so it comes out in resentments and horrible words and lots of bad conflict. We have to be mature enough to hear things that we don't want to hear. And the more we take accountability for that, the better off we're going to be. And the more pleasing and happy and grateful communication we're going to have for each other. It's so important. That is the work of marriage. The other thing that makes marriage work is understanding love languages. And if you really want to know what a love language is, ask a partner, you know, what is it that I've ever done that made you feel loved? And oftentimes you're going to hear things like, you know, the other day when you did this for me, that told me you love me. 
you know, the other day when you bought this, that was incredible because that made this, when you bought that little thing that I needed, that was huge. That told me that you love me. You know, sometimes it's sitting together, being together and just being able to hold each other. Sometimes it's sexual and intimacy. But if, if that is what a partner needs to fill their tank, you better get good at it. Whether it's in your wheelhouse or not, you better get good at it. It's important. If you're going to make a marriage work, you have to understand the illogical need of your partner. And, if, and it's not going to be something that you can just add up to logically. It is an emotional need. And it's a need. It's not a want. Wants are a lot different than needs. It is an absolute need of a partner. And when you starve them of their love language, what you end up doing is making them lonesome, making them feel insignificant, making them feel unimportant. And all of a sudden, they develop an image of themselves through your eyes and how you see them in a negative way. And it destroys them because you don't even know what they need and you can't help them fill their tank. Well, that's the job in marriage. We have to find that illogical, weird thing that our partner needs to feel love, whether it's validation. You know, you look really nice today. Some people, that's all they need. But the bottom line is you got to be the one doing that for your partner. And if you don't get good at it, you're going to be miserable And a lot of people are because they're too stubborn and too lazy to actually meet their clients, their their clients, their their partner's needs. You got to do it. It's important. You know, when people say, you know, we don't go out as much as we used to or we don't spend as much time together like we used to. That's a huge cue. That means you need to step it up. You know, if you want to come home and be home, if you want to be in a home that's peaceful, if you want to come home and feel like you got you can relax and be with your family and be with the people that love you and you love them, then what you've got to do is contribute. You can't be lazy. And if one partner's saying, we never go out, you need to go out. And yeah, you may say, well, our budget can't blah, blah, blah. Find a way. Have a picnic. Go eat a hot dog. Do something. You know, uh, go to the park, but you can do something. You don't need to be lazy and prideful. What we have to be is people willing to participate with our families in a real way. And sadly, a lot of people will come home and they're not emotionally available. They're emotionally available at work, but they come home and they shut themselves off from their family and and their, their spouse. Well, the thing is, if you want a relationship with them, you better plug in. And you better put on the hat when you come home that I need to be emotionally available to my family and I need to be grateful for my family and I need to be inquisitive about my family and and my spouse. This is important. You don't just come home, read the newspaper and knock yourself out like they did in the olden days. No, you plug in. If you want to make marriage work in this day and age, That's what you got to do. We're all busy. And yes, raising children, if that's what your spouse does, is a full-time job. And you need to respect that. Now, the other thing that really kills a relationship is criticism and insults and psychological abuse of your partner. With your words, your body language, your your lobbing insults into, into the heart of your partner's sense of self. And if you fuel these kind of actions that are negative thoughts about your partner, that they're stupid, they're incompetent, they're a fool, 
indirect or subtle fashion, any way that you do that, that message gets across along with the criticism and directly attacks their self-esteem. And when this has happened, they cease being able to remember why they'd fallen in love with you in the first place. And as a consequence, they rarely compliment each other anymore, express mutual admiration or even attraction. And the focal point of their relationship becomes abusiveness. And that's called contempt. And it's important to know when you're reaching that stage because it is a horrible place. You know, if you're rolling your eyes, if you're curling up your lip, if you're sneering, if you're mocking, if you're sarcastic, if you have hostile humor, or you don't take accountability for the words that you say, or your insults and your name calling, you are tearing that relationship apart. You're tearing it apart. Why do that? Just to get attention? Negative attention is not better than no attention at all. You know, it's important if you want positivity, you need to be the one that is positive. And that means you need to take down your defensiveness, take down not willing to hear my partner, and start validating. Validate, validate, validate. The other thing that people do that drives me nuts is they deny taking responsibility no matter what your partner uh, charges you. You insist that no uncertain terms that you're not to blame or making excuses you know, or disagreeing with negative mind reading. You know, uh, sometimes your spouse will make assumptions about your private feelings or your behavior or your motives. You know, uh, um, you know, when they're mind reading, it's it's delivering in a negative manner. It triggers defensiveness in you. Well, you got to be able to absorb that. I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, cross uh, uh, complaining. You meet your partner's, uh, partner's complaint with an immediate complaint of your own. So that's called deflecting. You know, and a lot of people do that. They'll deflect, 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 change the topic. And that's sad because what's happening is they begin to parent each other. You know, there's a thing called transactional analysis. And that is an important thing to understand. What it is, is you have two people. You have a parent, an adult, and a child. Parent, adult, and child. And what happens is someone will come home and say, hey, you didn't do the dishes. You promised me you were going to do the dishes. You didn't promise, you know, the house is a mess, blah, 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 blah. Well, what that they're doing is they're parenting the child in their partner. And naturally, that child is going to be upset because they're being parented instead of being spoken to as a spouse. And what they basically do is they come back at the partner I'm going to be the parent now. Well, what about when you didn't wash the dishes? What about when you know, I didn't say anything and you did that? Blah, 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 blah. Well, now they're going at the child and the other partner. So that's called crosstalk. And so they begin parent-child, parent-child, attacking the child, acting like a parent to each other when they're both married spouses. So adult-to-adult. Adult-to-adult communication is very simple. You know, I was disappointed because the dishes weren't done today and uh, I was expecting them to get done because I only have a certain amount of time and, you know, I got to work on a project later on and uh, I, I really needed that to get done and I'm disappointed. Okay, that's adult talk. That's adult conflict. We do it at work. Well, can you do it at home? It's important because adult conflict doesn't call for a lot of energy. It doesn't call for verbosity. It doesn't call for 
tone. It doesn't call for a body language. It doesn't call for anything. The only thing that is different about adult conflict is it's flat, it's straight, and you speak to your emotions. I'm disappointed. I'm really frustrated. I'm really angry, you know, but we don't have to sit there and make an ass of ourselves. But that's what people do. And they do that really well. They will be defensive and they fight each other and they say bad things to each other because nobody's listening and they erode their marriage. Adult conflict is safe. I'm disappointed. I'm, you just use your words, flat and straight. You know, I'm unhappy. I'm feeling frustrated. You know, we have to do that instead of using our emotions as a weapon to drive us to say things that are awful to each other. If you want to have a healthy marriage and a healthy life, you have to be an adult doing adult conflict, and that includes with your children. But most of all, your partner. You need to do adult conflict. Words expressing your emotions without drama. Big deal. And a lot of people can't do that, have not done that. And by not doing that, they've been miserable for years and years and years. And I will tell you, marriage is the loneliest place on earth when it's not working. When a relationship is not working and people keep trying to stay with it, but then continue to have the same arguments over and over and over, what basically is happening is they're beginning to erode and they're beginning to feel lonely. They're getting uh, stressed out. They start to worry. They start to forecast. They start to uh, uh, basically foretell what's going to happen. And that's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then in the end, it becomes the prophecy because they stick that in their minds. And we begin to fear. And I will tell you this, if you want to keep a healthy marriage, you don't say divorce. If you're going to say the D word, if you're going to say divorce, that means your partner is going to have to begin in the back of their mind, even though you may get through the argument, they're going to have to plan for divorce and they're going to have to put money away and they're going to have to start uh, planning. What would I do? Where would I go? Uh, How do I set things up to where I have an escape route if this person is going to divorce me? You're forcing your partner to plan for a divorce. Whether they want to or not, you're forcing them to forecast that in their mind, and they do not want to do that. And so when people drop the D word, they're setting up a situation where they're both fully prepared for a divorce when it happens. And I will tell you, you never know who you married until you divorced them. When you divorce, you know how to hurt each other so bad, and a lot of people love to find attorneys that will fuel that up and make it a very expensive adventure to make your drama go before the court and show how stupid your partner and how abusive and cruel they are. What you really need to do if you're going to get a divorce, it's a business deal. Do it as a business deal. If you want divorce, do it as a business deal. Do it as needed for the be- what's best for your kids and keep your relationship and know that your partner is not responsible for your relationship with your children. You are and you're going to have to redo that because now they're going to have to be paralyzed in their developmental state while you guys are floating off into the great beyond. 
and their life gets ripped apart. So, you know, the bottom line is if you are a mature adult, if we're mature adults and communicate as respected mature adults who are grateful for our partners, who cherish our, our, our wives, who have respect for our husbands in a way that we're willing to hear each other, both of us, what you're doing is fueling a great life for yourselves. And it's important. If you want to know what investing in marriage is about, this is it. You know, when you're feeling overwhelmed, make a deliberate effort to calm yourself. That eases the need to be defensive and to stonewall. Um, you know, from, from listening and speaking without defensiveness helps counter a whole lot of destructive habits. And if you happen to be a non-defensive listener, chances are it will make the cycle of negativity a lot less. An undefensive attitude on your part also helps to diffuse the need to stonewall, particularly for men. But keep in mind that defensiveness is is a two-way street. And if you speak non-defensively, you will lessen your partner's need to be defensive. So letting your spouse know that you understood them uh, you know, is one of the most powerful tools for healing your relationship. And, it, and it, it's an antidote to criticism and contempt and defensiveness. Instead of attacking, ignoring your partner's point of view, you try to see the problem for the and see their perspective. That's your job. If you're married, that's your job. And so you need to show that you understand their, their viewpoint. That's important. It's not important to be right. That's not important. And a lot of people in marriage decide that when they have conflict, they have to be right. And no, that is not what your goal is. Your goal is to hear each other and to compromise. To hear each other and to compromise. Validate, 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 validate. You know, talk about your own ability as a couple to overcome hardship. You know, have you ever weathered bad episodes and incidents where you're not proud of? That's good. The more you're able to heal that aspect of yourself as a couple, the greater you're going to grow together. Make make comments about the communication process. You know, uh, if someone's going to uh, talk over you, please let me finish. You know, we're getting off the topic. That hurt my feelings. But you can say those things and not have to offend you know, comment on what's happening while it's taking place, not afterward. That avoids being passive aggressive. And remind that your partner that you admire them and emphasize with them despite the conflict that I still love you. Yes, I see. Oh, huh. Go on. That's, that's psychological strokes. We have to do that, folks, if we're going to be married. So come back. I got some more tips for you. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. 
Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, now we're talking about how to make and what makes a marriage work. Well, intimacy is a huge thing in people's lives. It's a big deal. And whether we say, whether you need intercourse or whatever, just every once in a while, or if you need it every day, or if you need it twice a week, whatever your formula is, that's great. But what happens is in marriage, people tend to lose touch with each other, and they lose that pre-foreplay that is necessary as a continuing uh, invitation to being intimate. And intimacy does not mean sex. Intimacy means love, and love shows itself in many ways, shapes, forms, and fashions. And you know, operating by we have to do it two times a week or we got to do it this time, this time. I understand that if you have children, you're really going to have to plan it a little bit. But if you want to be in the mood and if you want to be people that feel attracted to each other, here's the deal. There's there's like two feet of energy space around the average person. Some people it's 10 feet, but most people it's about two feet. And that space, when anybody enters that space around a person's body, that person feels it. And it really doesn't belong to, to people that get too close to you. A lot of people hate having people in their space. But the thing about your spouse is it's very, very, very important to get into that space at least 12 times a day. Now, here's what I'm talking about. A touch on, on the back, a kiss on the forehead, a touch of the hand. You don't have to linger. You don't have to sit in it forever and ever and ever. But what's important, and this is the pre-foreplay, the touching of each other and getting into that body space, whether it's a hug, whatever it is, it's important for you to do that because you're telling each other that you love each other and you're keeping that ember of the relationship going because entering that space itself is intimacy. And so when we do that for each other, with each other, throughout each and every day of our life, we are setting the stage to having a good sex life. And that that constant image also is reassuring 
after you've had a conflict that doesn't go well, to reaffirm, I love you. It doesn't have to be through your words. It can be through your body language. And that's an important thing. Guys, if you want to have a better sex life in your marriage, you need to get into that body space without an agenda, just as an I love you gesture 12 times a day to your wife. Big deal. You know, those 12 times could take less than 20 seconds of a day, but it's important. It's important you do that. And sometimes it cues off of that into something greater and more intimacy and doing more. Also, communicate. If you want to keep that marriage warm, communicate clearly and often, even in granular details. I'm going to the store. I'm headed over here. Do you need something? You know, these kind of things, by keeping each other in mind throughout the day, what we're telling each other is, I love you. I'm looking out for you. You know, I'm making sure you understand where I'm at. You know, I'm, I need to make sure you understand what's going on or what, what, how, when I have to get off work or when I'm on the freeway. Whatever it is, the reasons we're apart is what we should be communicating about. You know, talk with your spouse is one of the best ways to keep your marriage healthy and successful. Be honest about what you're feeling. Be kind of and respectful when you communicate. Part of good communication is being a good listener and taking the time to understand that your spouse wants and needs from you and keep the lines of communication open by talking often and not just about things like bills and kids and finances and whatever. Share your thoughts and feelings. The other thing is tell your spouse that you're thankful for them. That's that gratefulness. Make time for both of you as a couple. That's a big deal. You know, with with work and family responsibilities, it can be easy to lose the romance factor. But if you're going to take the time to take your kids to piano and karate and whatever, you know, soccer and baseball and football and this, that, and the other, and you're going to fill their schedule with all kinds of things, and you're not even going to schedule time for each other, you're you're cutting off your head to spite yourself. You know, the, the bottom line is, if you don't nurture the relationship, your kids lose. So you have got to understand that if you guys don't get it together, your kids lose. You need to make time for each other. And if people that do that make time for each other and make special time for each other and make sure that they're behaving well and respecting each other during that time, you're going to find yourself making memories. And in the end, one of you is going to bury the other one or cremate. And the bottom line is, memories are your legacy. That's all that's ever left behind, is the memories that you make with each other. And when we don't make memories, the big problem is we have no legacy in our life. And we're not able to live beyond our life. Our life dies when we die because we didn't make memories. All we did was work, or all we did was finances, or all we did was worry, all we did was be not available. You know, the biggest meaning of life, if you want to have a meaningful life, is being fully present in the moment you're in with the person you're with. And if you can do that, you're going to make memories. And the more you're in the moment, and the more you're mindful, and the more you're careful about just staying present, not in your past, not in the predictions of your future, but right there in the moment, you're going to have a good life. And that's where good conversations come from. That's where peace comes from. That's where comfort comes from. And that's where home comes from. You need to build that trust that you are there for each other. 
you, th- there is no place in marriage, no place in marriage for defensiveness. There's no place in being a parent for defensiveness. We need to have empathy and concern for each other. And I will tell you, when you hate each other, you also love each other. And that means you can fix it. But when you have apathy, where you don't care anymore, instead of empathy, apathy, that's the most dangerous point of a relationship. And it's really hard to get back from apathy. But I will tell you that people fall in and out of love in marriage all the time. And you have to be able to run that course and know there's going to be tough times where you're preoccupied, where you're grieving, where something's going on that's making you feel insecure. There's going to be moments where we have to be for each other in those moments. And that's important. We need to ride that roller coaster. And yes, there are times you're going to feel apathy for your partner. There's going to be times where you don't want to have anything to do with them. But the bottom line is we have to have empathy for each other and we have to keep it on a continuous basis. You know, everybody makes mistakes. You know, your spouse may hurt your feelings or do something that upsets you, may make you angry, even furious, but it's 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 important to deal with your feelings, let them go, move on and don't keep bringing up the past. You know, remember to remain committed to your spouse and your family and that life you've built together. Support each other emotionally in every kind of way. You know, you and your spouse and your relationship may grow and change with time, but these ideas really can help your marriage stay successful over the years. And here's the deal. A lot of people get divorced and they didn't even, they weren't even married to their partner. They didn't perform as a married couple. They didn't, they didn't make that friendship. They didn't work the marriage. And then they go do it again. and, And guess what? It doesn't work again because they're doing the same crap they did before. And it's sad. It's sad we, we, that some people find people that they feel are the most attractive and they get so attracted to that person, but all of a sudden they discover their humanness. And when they discover their humanness after the honeymoon phase, and let's say they get married before, you know, right away and all that stuff, and all of a sudden they, 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 they discover their humanness, and that's the ugliness that can be a part of each other, we have to make that ugliness beautiful. If you want to bring out the best in someone, you need to treat them in a way that you are grateful for them and remind them of all the good things they do. And that is the job of marriage. Also, meeting their emotional needs. That's illogical, illogical needs. What have you ever done that made you feel like I loved you? Well, you know, when you picked me up at work every day, that was a big deal. You know, (laughs) It's simple stuff like that that we remember. And it's and then if you do more of those things that they need, you're going to feed them and fill their tanks and they're going to be better people and you're going to get more respect from each other. If you're going to be nice to each other, you're going to be more nice to each other. If you're going to be mean to each other, you're going to be more mean to each other. You know, when we, uh, when we uh, have nothing but each other, We focus intently on important building blocks of a healthy, successful marriage. But as our relationship continues forward, a lot of things accumulate and begin to distract us from the essentials. And so we have to look at what's getting in the way of us being in love with each other. What's getting us in a way where we're not taking 
uh, uh, care of each other. And we need to be willing to hear that from each other. Wise couples realize that a nice home, car, retirement account may appear nice to have, but they do not make a successful marriage. They understand that there are far more important principles. But I will tell you this from a financial perspective. If you, as a couple, can have at least three months worth of bills in the bank, you feel like adults. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, that says a lot about your maturity as people, and that says a lot about your abilities to be adults. And so what's important is we need to at least know that if we have a disaster, if something happens, we've got money in the bank to help us. All of us need to do that because it affects our behavior in marriage. If we're living paycheck to paycheck, we're generally going to behave like teenagers. All right. Love and commitment. The core to love is a decision to be committed to the other person and to eliminate all trust issues. Now, I'm not saying your past, you need to open the crate up to your past. I'm saying when you get together and you decide as a couple that you are committed to each other, that means that day, that moment means we're going to have no secrets. And that includes anything from the past that may affect our relationship in the future. But if there's decisions and things that we're ashamed of that we've done in the past, that doesn't mean you have to open the crypt and give all that information to your partner because it's probably irrelevant and it probably has nothing to do with your your current relationship. So if the information is not going to creep up on you in the future, you don't need to necessarily reveal that if it's nothing about your relationship with your partner. But if you've had a recent affair or if you've lied or there's been all kinds of things that, or maybe you've had affairs in the past or things like that, and those things may come forward again, then you need to talk about that. If there's patterns in your life that you have that you don't like about yourself, you need to talk about that because your partner needs to know what they're going to get from you. It's really important for us to be patient and forgiving. And if we don't have those kind of ingredients, if we don't look for forgiveness by looking at intentions rather than outcomes, if we're one of these people that just hammers on all the horrible things you've done and we just keep doing that, that's called abuse. And we need to cut it out. If you're an adult, you don't do that. If you're an adult, you look for forgiveness. That's simple because we're all flawed. We're all fragile. We're all flesh and blood, and we're also spirits living a human life, and our spirits need to be fed, and that's what comes from relationships. If, if, if we cherish our relationship, if we respect our partners, we respect ourselves. Time is an investment, and if you're going to be married, you really have to invest in time, in honesty, in trust, in communication, in intimacy, and in selflessness. And that's huge. We do not need to be a narcissistic couple or a narcissistic guy with a, a uh, codependent woman. Not a good idea. A narcissistic partner with a codependent is a very unhealthy situation. And I hope none of you ever find yourself in that. All right. All right. That's our show. I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. And you can do that on our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, marriage is the only war where you sleep with the enemy. Also, if you first don't succeed, try the way your wife told you. Also, most wives give sound advice. 
99% sound, 1% advice. Also, a man is incomplete until he's married. After that, he's finished. <laughs> the bottom line is, marry the one who gives you the same feeling as when, when your food is served at a restaurant. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 